the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see you bite. Let me see your scar. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello and welcome to All We Hear is Purple, where the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet. I'm Andrew Berg, and back this week from uh, Goodwill uh, ambassadorship missions around the world is Gaby Lucas. Gaby, I don't know if that's actually what you're doing, but what have you been up to? Welcome back. That is what I've been up to, actually. Yes. Famously, Mm -hmm. I am a uh, representative of the state, and I've been on a Goodwill trip to our neighboring union with ottawa uh and now i am actually coincidentally in what i have heard is a different country and that is coincidentally michigan so i will although it is ann arbor right now so i wish i wish it was east lansing and then i could like report back on general vibe checks um yeah you know i I, will say in in the fourth quarter of the game on Saturday, there was a family sitting in front of me. The uh, It was a woman and a man and two young kids. And everybody except the woman was wearing UW gear and she was wearing Michigan State gear. It was very obnoxious the whole game. But I had really good experiences with Michigan State people all week. So I was kind of like trying to uh, keep a wide berth. And then uh, there were some other people down the row, not me, not even people I was sitting with, uh, kind of having a good natured debate about like program relevance and status and things like that and she turned around and just looked directly at me for some reason and just yelled yeah well i was in ann arbor last year when you guys got killed so it goes both ways and i was like are you trying to like trash talk me because your rival beat my team (laughs) that seems to make you look even worse wait i have a question anyway did not ruin the weekend in fact yeah um, I have a question. Were you then, I've been wondering about this, were you then the person on our Twitter who wrote, and I quote, I have to scroll back a little bit, scrolling, scrolling, uh, scrolling, scrolling. I'll, I'll let you keep scrolling, but the answer is yes. Yes, the one that says, credit to all the Sparty fans in Seattle this week, friendly, knowledgeable, passionate, accept that one, you know who you are. Was that you? That's right. Okay. Oh, I like that yeah. one. I think I think you know who you are. Um but I met a bunch of other people. It's just kind of cool. Like through the weekend, I just happened to like run into a bunch of people in Michigan State gear. And uh like I was wearing husky stuff, I think on Friday and Saturday, and ended up having a couple conversations. And everybody was like out exploring the city and, and in a good mood and not like belligerent. It's just kind of nice. It's kind of fun. Uh kind of different than what I'm used to. Uh, but let's talk about the game itself is kind of uplifting. You know, maybe that all of this would be colored very differently if the game had ended differently. Uh, we haven't talked to you in a couple weeks, so I, I kind of want to get your take on this game, but also the larger themes that we've been seeing through the first three games. I think this one's the most important, but we have have enough data points that we're starting to see patterns at this point. So uh, maybe useful to talk about the bigger picture as well. But once again, the story was the passing offense. You could break it down unit by unit. and That was clearly the standout. Uh, Michael Penix this time really targeting Jalen Polk. Jalen McMillan looked really good too. All over the field, big gains, bunch of touchdowns. Polk was just like living in the end zone. Came into the game. This was the team leading the nation in sacks. Didn't have a single sack. What's been your impression of Penix in the passing offense 
uh, so far this year and particularly on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I also I feel like even like I should preface this with because I've been away for such a hot minute. Like, I feel like I've joked enough about both in our writer slack and on this podcast about how I I will always try to get out of recording a podcast no matter what. And I think people who are not you and Colin don't understand the extent to which that is genuinely true. <laughs> until the last three weeks because I feel like it feels weird to not have this conversation with you over like seeing each other's faces over audio uh until you know three weeks into the into the season um but yeah no I think um I mean I detailed a lot of it in like SN SNS the first two weeks um and this the third week will which will be coming out tomorrow or today uh when this comes out but even yesterday yeah, maybe. Depends on when you're listening to it. Time is an illusion, Michael. Um, What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first two weeks, it felt like just being able to breathe again, <laughs> which I, I think that's pretty much verbatim what I said uh, in the written word, capital W, because, and, and you know how dour I've been in our in our writer's group chat the last year or so, like last nine months, like that I genuinely, it was like everything was such a chore to like make my eyes, to force myself to sit and put my eyes on a screen and just watch just like what was the most Sisyphean task ever. And it's supposed to represent like, <laughs> like this is the, this is the program and community that is, or or, or I should say the program that represents. This like, is our free time activity. This up, is how attached. we're cho- choosing. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like it was so existentially like like last year it was so just existentially pointless. Like if you took that whole season complete with the inherently understood backstory and uh background that like, you know, every college football fan has, um if you took that to Jean-Paul Sartre or like Camus and were like, "Here, watch this." They'd be like, "Yeah, you just proved our point." <laughs> like it no, was they'd just be like, like "No, it, people won't be interested in this. It's much too dire." It, it it was it was just like it was a complete like la- last year was just such a complete proof of everything that the of, of just like this the, like the sisyphian um <laughs> like processes of life and it's like why am i even gonna bother with this and so it's just been fun to i i mean for me really i just i, I cannot emphasize enough how much it feels like actually being able to just like breathe uh again and enjoy <laughs> from something that has been like an innate part of my identity since before i could talk <laughs> not to get too philosophical <laughs> it's true it's true I, it's I, I said that even to my wife after the last episode we recorded i said like it's just so much more fun to have these conversations when the team is fun it's one thing to watch the games but then to go back and reflect on it and analyze it and discuss it is a special kind of depressing when the games are <laughs> mm-hmm. not worth it because it's not like you can just turn it off and never think about it again. I think most mm-hmm. fans can't really do that anyway. It's kind of hard to just let it go. I uh, feel like you're paying penance so that when they get good again, the the investment is there and you've sure. kind of gone through the toils, the seven labors or whatever, 12 labors. Yeah. Uh, but I think once we get to this this point where it's starting to pay off again, it means that much more. Yeah. Well, and it's also, yeah, like I think, I mean, I think anybody who like quote unquote picks a team in any sport is a is a crazy person. Like that's not I think that's insane. That's that's unhinged behavior. Like whenever you hear someone be like, I really want to get into the Liechtenstein second football tier league, like which one should I choose? I'm like, that is 
demented behavior. <laughs> like you shouldn't be choosing yeah. a team in anything. It it just it a, a team that you support it you don't choose it it follows you down a back alley mugs you blind forces your eyes open and then and then duct tapes you in front of a tv screen for the rest of your life uh but especially with like college stuff because that's such a community-based thing in a way that you can't really fake that and so and so yeah i think i think it's true of any you know any any fandom of any competitive sport or whatever that that yeah you kind of have to go through the highs and lows but especially in something like this where like i say it's it's been an inherent part of my identity since i was a infant and 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 it's not you know about any one individual it's about like everybody to get together like being able to experience collective happiness is it's just nice and it it's so indig un, it's so undignified and almost societally depressing when to see that squandered like it was last year yeah and well tying it back to where we started about where things sit now the improvement coming with this almost flawless really appealing like aesthetically pleasing passing game is about as dramatic of an about face as you could possibly have both from the specific conditions we had last year with this uncreative predictable boring ineffective uh run it up the gut offense and also just like the the scale of how you enjoy watching football like i i guess there are different different tastes for different people and everything and and i'm one to definitely appreciate like a defensively dominant team uh as well but there's not much that's just like more viscerally exciting than watching a team throw for 400 yards and four <laughs> touchdowns against a good defense. It's sure. just like, Oh, there's another 30 yarder or whatever. It's like it's sitting in the stands, watching on TV. It's just like thrilling and gratifying all the way it, through. So the, yeah, I mean, do you have any, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the philosophical end of it, but what have you thought about the actual, like Michael Penix performance so far? It's, it's gotta be, you know how many magnitudes better than what even the most optimistic people would have expected from him sure um i mean i think i don't really i i think i've pretty much covered everything that i feel about him and this whole sh- that whole show already just like in 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 writing through like through the last two sns's on 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 the site but i also think like what what you were talking about like appreciating you you were talking about you know you appreciate a defensively dominant team as much as you know, anyone, but dot, dot, dot it, you know, everything you just said, but I think also there's something to be said about watching Penix and this, this offense, as well as just an improved front seven on the defense that like, it really is. I think it has been a, a data point in favor of the, of the best, the best defense is a good offense, Um, <laughs> you know, which obviously doesn't, isn't a term that originates in this sport, but it's true across many. Because especially when you when you look at um, I think so, I mean because I'm sure you guys already talked about you know that that passing offense and and uh, and I've talked about it just not on this podcast. I think one of the main things that have kind of come to mind for me is like to combining the fact that a this defense is while it's the secondary has gone from like it's one strength to you know. Eh, mediocre kind of it's much more well-rounded and the front seven is much more effective which you know i'm i'm not 
that I'm not somebody who's come up with this philosophy, but people who know a lot tend to be like, you know, if you can pick a stud defensive line or stud secondary, like they're going to tend to pick the the defensive line. Um, But I think when you look at, so when you look at kind of that, having a well-rounded, more well-rounded defense, as well as such a, such a prolific offense and such a prolific passing offense, especially uh, because of how that can sustain things to me that that having that offense over after the last three weeks, what seems the most important to me about that is when you think about that on a, uh, on a more macro scale throughout the course of a game, it's really hard to imagine any other offense uh, or not any, but, it's it's hard to imagine many other offenses being able to over the course of four quarters keep up with what Penix and company are able to produce. Um, and not only from a like schematic standpoint or a talent standpoint, but like this might sound kind of corny, but but the mental aspect of being able to constantly be on your heels as an offense and constantly being having to catch up with the you know with your your opponents producers. Um, to constantly be being having to be playing catch up like that's not that's a really really stressful mental state to be in and it people you know people talk about like the the importance of having of if of when your team is on defense of keeping the quarterback under duress but I mean mentally like the mental duress of having to play from behind and having to play catch up or even if you are ahead knowing that that's not gonna last like like you really have no room knowing as a quarterback that you have no room for error like I think that is the most important thing that Michael Penix um, and these receivers and just this this scheme brings is that pressure that it puts on other offenses that like you have you cannot waste any single drive if you're an offense playing against the University of Washington um yeah. I, and it, that it, I think is what's exciting for me we talked about this a little bit last week, and I think I ended up writing about it somewhat in the game preview was that there was a, although I, you know, in full disclosure, did pick Michigan State. I, I just, I Ooh, didn't I expect, didn't expect our offense to be as great against a better defense. I just wanted to see it first. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I regret nothing. I, I wanted to see them do it against a real defense. <laughs> Is this where I, I get to lord that now. over you? For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, you made it. You made the smart pick. My gut. It was just my gut in my head. I, I couldn't, my gut in my head kept saying Washington, even though I didn't want to pick us because that was scary. <laughs> the, the thing, yeah, right. I, I think that was a big part of it was I, I didn't want to, I didn't want myself expecting them to do more than what was fair to expect them to do. Sure. Uh, but the version of the game that I thought they might win was something like, I think I even said to coach on the podcast last week, something like 37 to 30, which is, mm-hmm. you know, within spitting distance of what the actual final score was. Uh, basically what you were just describing, uh, an offense that didn't allow for the opposing offense to have any slip ups. They were just so consistently good across the game. Mm-hmm. It didn't exactly have that shape. I mean, it kind of ended up there in the end. The thing that was different about it was, uh, they did definitely take their foot off the gas, kind of go into killing clock mode, weren't able to get enough first downs to remove all the pressure until fairly late when Cameron Davis broke off that 30-ish yard run to kind of seal the game with about three minutes left. And then, you know, the very soft defense got a couple backdoor scores by Michigan State that kind of made the game look a little bit closer than it was. Was never really in imminent danger probably in the second half, but what was your reaction both to the uh, mini comeback by Michigan state and 
the kind of lack of a successful run game for the second time in three outings. Yeah, well, two things, like full disclosure between being on Eastern Standard Time, you know, because of my diplomatic mission to Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't able to watch the second half, but I was very, I so I was just like constantly refreshing my phone. Um, and then it got a little bit scary for a second because, you know, when you're seeing updates and you can't, but you, like you don't have any context for it. So I kind of crapped my pants for a second then, and then it was like, oh, it's over. Okay, we're good. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think as far as the run game, though, like, obviously, you'd like it to be more prolific from a yards per carry standpoint. But what I feel like my uh, and as far as like, also the not being super great at the goal line, but that's like a different discussion. Um, I think I feel like what my gut instinct is that it I, I mean, I, I for one, I just appreciate that, you know, even if you're not you know, necessarily being as uh, effective from like, you know, just a play-by-play yards per carry consideration just to see the, like, a dynamic, just a dynamic approach to running the ball just to set up, you know, to, I mean, I mean, this is a cliche phrase, but just to keep defenses honest as far as like, you know, you, you you have to be running east-west a little bit and you have to, you know, you know this is going to be a, an offense based on, you know, Penix's arm and the receivers, but not being able to, like, load in, uh, you know, hone, hone in too much on that. Um, so, I mean, the first three weeks in general, like, I have, A, I've appreciated just seeing pulling guards again. <laughs> which yeah. it doesn't yeah. answer your question but i think that to me seeing like pulling guards seeing um seeing running out of different motions seeing running from different uh you know different blocking schemes and different uh did i say different motions i meant different different uh personnel groupings uh and formations and just seeing them posit the running game in a way where where like you can't just if you're like if you're if you're like a linebacker or something an opposing linebacker like you can't just you you you're kind of constantly on your heels a little bit as far as having to think and react think and react instead of just react um and i feel like to me that fe- it my gut is that that is kind of the role of the running game in this offense and so like obviously again like you would like to see it be a little bit more prolific as far as efficiency but i'm not who like this isn't something that I'm losing sleep over <laughs> because yeah. it feels like it's setting things well but you know I don't know maybe there'll be a game where Penix does collapse or or we can't throw it or whatever but until that day comes I don't see any imminent signs of danger from that yeah I think I agree with that and I, I think maybe putting it another way until now the burden of proof has shifted in a way like we've yeah, seen the definitely. offense play so well that instead of saying like I'm, I also need to see them dominate in the running game against the top defense. I kind of want to see a top defense slow down the, this offense in aggregate. It's like, sure. Yeah. If you do enough to take away the passing game, what effect is that going to have on the run? And it, yeah. it's not like a hopeless running game. And there are different facets to the passing game uh, that we haven't even really needed to get into that much because these intermediate uh, sideline routes have been so uh, have paid off so well. I do think if a team schemed to take away specifically what Penix has done so well with McMillan and Polk and Odunze, that will open up more space in the middle of the field, which probably would contribute to bigger running lanes 
even if the run blocking hasn't been great so far. Uh, it's just that hasn't been what has we have needed to take away. Um, let's we've talked a good amount about the Michigan State game. Uh, let's take a break. We're already starting to talk about what comes next, so we might as well move on to the Stanford game coming up this weekend. Another uh, mercilessly late start time. So uh, we'll keep moving, and we'll be right back to talk about the tree. Thanks for sticking with us. We are back to talk about the Stanford UW game coming up on Saturday night. Uh, a tree has fallen in Palo Alto and seemingly nobody has even heard it or noticed. David Shaw is still among the highest paid, best regarded Pac-12 coaches, despite not taking his team to a bowl game in the last five years. Uh, the defense, which Shaw was for a long time known for, has been pretty much atrocious for, for a few years. Is this defensively just another team that we're going to be able to feast on. We came into the Michigan state game a little bit worried that Michigan state might be one of the tougher defenses on the schedule or even in the country. And looking on paper, Stanford seems like the polar opposite of that. Is there any reason to be concerned about Stanford's defense going into this one? Um, no, <laughs> no, Next I um, question. <laughs> this, it really is. It's really weird to feel this way because like, I don't, I, I haven't felt like, confident about playing stanford in like you know seven years yeah or (laughs) i mean and that was like a blip in the radar it's been like two out of the last 16 years or something yeah and so like it i it's really weird but i kind of i i I, yeah i I don't i mean i'm not i'm don't i'm not cocky or anything but it's just i feel you know what I, i feel the opposite of how i felt about washington's uh offense and their uh you know whatever my expectation has been going into games in the past, you know, handful of years where I feel like in the past, uh, generally speaking, any game that wasn't like clearly a gimme, I kind of had to, con- like, I had to work to convince myself before, you know, like, Oh, this is why we'll, we'll win this. Um, kind of for the whole time after since 20, you know, 2017 on, um, in- like including when, you know, it was a- when they were good teams. Um, and and I know it's been a small sample size, but it really is like it really feels like the opposite of that. Where I I have to get I have to work to convince myself like why why this isn't gonna be a win, and it feels very bizarre. It feels like frighteningly unfamiliar <laughs> to have to convince myself that like oh I should be worried. Um, and it's, you know again yeah. small sample size blah blah blah. But until we get to that point, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it was kind of the same thing we were just discussing with Michigan State, uh, kind of the Huskies taking the foot off the gas pedal was similar to what USC did against Stanford in the, the last time Stanford played two weeks ago. It ended up being a 13-point game, but it wasn't that close. Um, Stanford was up uh, 41-14 going into the fourth quarter, and they were pretty much done passing by that point, but Wait, Caleb USC. Williams had, yeah, USC. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, had 341 yards on 27 attempts and didn't need to pass the ball in the fourth quarter. So it was was not a good stellar defensive performance in that one. And then the previous week against Colgate, I mean, to be fair, Stanford completely smothered Colgate's passing attack, but it's Colgate. It's it's not even a good Patriot League team. And Colgate (laughs) had quite a bit of success running the ball against them, which is just weird to to think about. Like their, their number one running back had uh, 12 carries over five yards a carry uh, against Stanford's defense, which is the exact opposite of what we expected historically. There are, this isn't a team that's without talent uh, defensively. They've been 
pretty hopeless, but offensively they can move the ball. They do have uh, Tanner McKee. He's a very talented quarterback. He has, I think in it was, it might've been coach Inge who said earlier this week in one of the press conferences that he can make throws that only two or three quarterbacks in the country can make, which is true. I, I don't think specifically that description of arm talent is the end all be all for quarterbacks. And McKee has thrown three interceptions in the first two games. And then EJ Smith, who's probably the most dynamic skill position player on their offense, Emmett Smith's son, um, mm-hmm. averaging over 100 yards a game, is out this week. So that's another um, large caveat going into this game. Uh, the, the one area that might be worth highlighting, Ben Urasek, the tight end, he's one of the better pass-catching tight ends in the conference and somebody that the Huskies heavily recruited a couple years ago. Uh, you know, whenever you play Stanford, you're thinking about the tight ends, especially all of the uh, PTSD that Husky fans have from the last 10 years of tight ends just uh, absolutely destroying our, our nickelbacks and t- and linebackers and coverage. It'll be interesting to see this year if that's different. Um, either Dom Hampton or Cam Fabriculan and uh, the Husky position probably lining up more often against the tight ends if having a little bit better combination of size and coverage makes a difference uh, in stopping their offense. Any reason to be concerned about Stanford's offense? I think there's more talent there, but it, it again, it seems not as scary as it has been in other years. Yeah, I um, I almost kind of wish that this is going to be this is counterintuitive, but I almost kind of wish that Smith uh was playing just because I I you know we all know David Shaw so well and we know how much he likes to like you know have a really good running back and then just like chuck it up you know 1v1 to gigantic freaking tight ends and six foot gajillion inch jjr sega white sides um and so and so like just knowing how you know how washington's defense functions at its best and worst um i almost kind of am like oh man can you have your running back just like your number one just to like tempt you into doing that which would play into washington's hands um obviously i'm you know what i just said is pretty stupid like whenever you can (laughs) whenever you can lessen the talent of your opponent that's a good thing except for i you know it's still sometimes it's it is nice to be able to depend on the i don't want to get yeah to depend on what i will call the hubris of another coach's belief in their system um especially in college where seemingly every coach does that especially guys who've been around for 10 years um but uh yeah i i i mean I obviously, especially with what we've seen from the secondary so far, like I'm not, not, I just, I don't not have that PTSD from the last a hundred years of, of the chuck it up to whoever in, in man coverage <laughs> um, and then just box them out um, that Stanford's done. But um, I still, even with that though, I don't, I don't, I don't really foresee them being able to keep up with, with this offense I also like this is also the first time since I've been on the road and yeah I guess just since I've been on the road that I haven't I haven't watched I haven't watched a snap of of, I haven't watched like an actual game of Stanford this year um which is feels weird to say but it's a you know it's a program that we know so well that this early in the season I don't feel like I'm neglecting my duties by by admitting that so yeah, that's that's kind of my my gut response. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I'm more confident than I want to allow myself to be. I, I can definitely True, see yeah. a version of this game where things just go wrong. And I mean, 
for everything we've said, this team has been disproportionately reliant on outstanding quarterback play. We've seen the, how drastically different the offense looks, even in, I mean, it's, it's usually in mop up duty, but what, uh, when Dylan Morris or Sam Heward has had to come in, has come in, in relief late in games. Um, but you know, I hate even saying this out loud, but Michael Penix is over four in finishing seasons healthy. And like, at some point there's a pretty good chance that one of the other quarterbacks is going to need to do something. I hope that it's, you know, I, I hope that that doesn't happen, that the way he's been protected and how he's been more conservative, uh, scrambling changes that trajectory. But I mean, to even setting aside just the quarterback, there's always a chance for an injury to break the wrong way or for, you know, just something to happen within the game that could swing it. Um, but it helps that it's a home game. It helps that, uh, you know, they're coming up a huge win with a ton of momentum and the crowd feeling really good. Uh, you know, if you want to argue on behalf of Stanford, you could say they already are coming off a bye week. They kind of bottomed out against USC and might be able to learn some things from that. And, you know, they do have a really good quarterback with a really strong arm. And our secondary has still not done a great job keeping um, receivers in front of them on deep passes. So there, there is a path that Stanford could take to keep it, keeping this game quite close. But in the end, it's kind of hard for me to see a final score that's um, within 10 points. Yeah, I do think one thing that's that one thing I could foresee with Tanner McKee is like, yeah, I, I think they'll probably hit on a few long passes um, just based on our weakness and the fact that he can check a football over Dem mountains. But um, I, I, I feel like the main thing that's going to annoy me about this weekend is my, my gut is we're going to have a couple, a couple instances of like ZTF or, or Braylon Trice or somebody like breaking into the backfield and like getting him getting to him but he's that guy's like six foot six and 200 something like he's he's not cam newton size but he is big um and he has been since you know in high school i remember it when he was at the elite 11 that one of the like comments on him and in, in the that was summer of 2017 was like everything tanner mckee does is huge <laughs> and um i can almost see you know you know those really big quarterbacks where like a, a defensive end will get to them and like pretty much have them wrapped up, but they're they're just like standing there because it takes them too so long to like actually get brought down and they can either get rid of the ball or make a completion. Like I could kind of see that happening a few times and just driving us nuts, especially because with you know Washington's luck, it'll probably be on like third and 17. Um so I I I I foresee myself swearing at the TV once or twice from that specific scenario. If we want to put a, a, sp- a specific guy who will get to him. Uh, we can feel free to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think the big picture would continue taking care of the ball, continue, you know, using this pass heavy attack where you're using the run just enough to keep the defense honest and continue uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. Like those will be the, the yeah. main things that I think will be keys to victory that all our strengths that our offense can play into. Let's do a little bit of a whip around for the rest of the conference. Just a couple quick lightning round points because there were a couple interesting news items coming from the rest of the Pac-12 this week. Oregon is looking more and more legit after a big win over BYU. Uh, some controversy in their very stupid fan section with their, you know, I, I think we, we had a, a brief conversation about like, you know, even if you do have uh, some sociological or political qualms with how the uh, LDS church has behaved over its history, maybe not the the best form for uh, <laughs> making that commentary or the, the medium is not 
getting your point across <laughs> as effectively as possible. But setting that aside, this is 180 degree reversal uh, for Bo Nix. He's been kind of like steady but unspectacular after being spectacular but wildly unsteady at Auburn. And it seems like they've moved on really well from getting bludgeoned by Georgia. And maybe that's just what Georgia's going to do to everybody. How are you feeling about Oregon right now? I think it's going to be super fun. I think it's like genuinely like just as a fan of college football, I think it'll be super fun. Bo Nix is just, I feel like there's, there's like a generation, maybe it's just two people. And in my mind, it's a trend of, of like the SEC always has to have some guy named Bo who there's good Bo and bad Bo. Um, I like Bo Nix is the heir to Bo Wallace. Uh, and it's where, and, and so like on one hand, I'm like, yeah, Georgia's going to make everyone look bad this year. Like that's just a given. So I mean, granted, they made Oregon look really bad, but like they're gonna do that to everybody. Um, Bonix was is because we know how he plays, and it's good bow and bad bow. And like, of course, he was gonna be bad bow against Georgia. No one's gonna be good, the good version of themselves against Georgia. But I also, because of that, I'm like, yeah, he has played great since then. But I also know that that doesn't mean that's gonna last forever. <laughs> like we know that we know the other the 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 valley of that roller coaster like we know it's coming and then it'll go back up again like it's 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 just um he's just a he's just a roller coaster coaster. and it's quite entertaining um so so yeah I, i think that'll be fun i think it'll be fun to watch the the there's no word for a trio the quad of uw's uh edge rushers uh against against him and i'm not like i don't i don't not going to pretend to be like oh yeah they're going to beat him the crap up and it's going to be you know i i I think genuinely like that's going to be a really fun chess match to watch um yeah i'm i'm excited for that game it it i mean there's i don't want to push this far ahead but the the biggest game between now and then for uw will be uh the ucla game which is going to be really tough but there's a a chance you know at least a 10 or 20 percent chance of going into that oregon game undefeated uh, and Oregon You're may not lose between now and right then. Now. Well, I'm, I just said there's a ten <laughs> percent chance. It. I'm jinxing the ten percent. That's jinxing chance. it. Yeah. Also, uh, I I almost can I put it? Can we put a pin in that really quickly? I almost want to beat the absolute shit out of UCLA more than I do want to win Oregon at all. Like I just want like I want to embarrass them so bad because that whole everything is everything that is wrong with not just college football but like America. <laughs> like i want i want what i just i just i need this catharsis i want us to wallop six i want us to 70 21 them that's all i need in this world and then i'll die happy but i'm not going to go on a further event because i would take 20 minutes but continue yeah. about Oregon, I, I, whatever. i'm gonna have trouble reconciling that but i just the oregon wazoo this week it should be a good game uh the, yeah like, that's i'm i've been just like floored by what wazoo's been doing it's just so out of outside of what i've expected from them like i could have mm. imagined bringing in ward and the incarnate word coach as the offensive coordinator like getting the offense looking more like it did under leach and it hasn't been that at all it's like dickert is legit as a defensive coach we'll see if that holds up but he made huge strides last year getting them from god-awful to decent and yeah. they've taken steps from decent to really good this year which is a really tough step to make and if they can hold that up as the competition stiffens up i mean wisconsin is a good team but not the kind of offense that you're terrified of so we'll see how that goes the rest of the year Uh, the other big news was arizona state are you ready for this they fired herm edwards can you can you believe 
that are Arizona State that Herm Edwards' marriage didn't work out. I think the weirder thing was like year two when things were going kind of well yeah. with Jim Daniels that we we're all like, huh, I guess this did work. It seemed crazy, but it seems like it's working. And then like 18 months later uh, goes very, very drastically yeah. in the other direction. Well, I was just going to say the same thing, like before you even mentioned that my I think the funniest thing about that whole tenure is that we were like when the hire was initially made, everybody was like, oh, that's the worst. You guys suck. LOL. And then, yeah, like a year later, everyone's like, oh, my God, we were all wrong. That's so funny. And then and then we're like, no, we were right. You all suck. Like, I I, uh, I just find that it's the it's the good bow, bad bow of 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 a coaching tenure. And I, for one, think, you know, the reason college football is fun because it's very stupid and i think that asu is if you're a third party watching this whole situation i feel like they really embodied that for us like on an institutional level just like pure stupid chaos um and you know for that i think i saw uh, there's an article on the athletic yesterday or today by ari wasserman who's their recruiting guy he's a big ohio state fan who believes in nothing but recruiting rankings that player development is completely irrelevant. And it just, I, I personally disagree with him on almost every topic I've, I've heard him write about or seen him write about um, was campaigning hard uh, for Arizona state to hire Kenny Dillingham, the very unproven offensive coordinator from yeah. Oregon That's the uh, stupidest thing as I've their head heard. coach. Uh, <laughs> like this is the guy who can bring stability to this team. And I was like, <laughs> You know what? This seems like exactly <laughs> the Arizona State is decision that they could make. Um, I want that to happen. Yeah, like have at it, Ari Wasserman. Maybe you can go be their uh, scouting director or something. I, I also I um, hate it. Oh, can I? Sorry, another pin yeah. in that. I also hate it when people are so so obsessed with recruit, like because obviously, as has been proven over and 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 over again on a macro level stars do matter <laughs> like that is just the truth but i hate it when people are so up their own ass about that that you had that they force me to be like they like don't make me say stars don't matter because they matter like like and that that's what annoys me about ari wasman i'm like god damn it you're making me argue alongside a bunch of annoying people <laughs> um sorry continue <laughs> i'm with you 100 percent all right, let's take it from there into our recommendations and plugs. Gabe, it's been a couple of weeks. So what do you have to share with the people? Yes. Um, I, I um, Well, if you're in Bellingham area on September 30th, wait, UW's playing on October 1st, not September 30th. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you're in Bellingham on uh, September 30th, um, I'm just it's just I'm doing a show at I believe it's at STEM I'm brewing it's called Afterglow Comedy Hour um, I'm just doing like 10 minutes so it's not like a big thing or whatever but uh, Vanessa Dawn is headlining and she is she she is one of the funniest people I know and have ever known <laughs> and she's also the only person from Oklahoma could, who could joke about stealing the Sonics and not make me want to punch her in the face um, so if you're in the Bellingham uh, Bellingham area come to that or don't it's your life also i uh if you're also this you know this next rec also would have been better for like last year when everything sucked and we were all like existentially depressed um but um uh i've been telling everyone and their mother who i know to watch uh ghosts on the bb like the british original um show i know there was like cbs made an american remake i haven't seen it um but 
based on the history of American remakes of British shows uh, save The Office. I'm going to assume it's not very good, but the, this this show I would recommend. I would have recommended it last season if I knew it then, just because if it something that is like very funny and uncynical and like sweet, I could have used that at around a year ago today. <laughs> and I think every Washingtonian or every non-Wazoo Washingtonian could have also used that. Um, it's about a couple who inherits a crumbling manor home and then the wife has a uh, is, ends up clinically dead for three minutes and when she comes back to life she finds out that she can interact with all the ghosts that are trapped in the in the, in the uh, at the manor um, through from the you know several thousands of years and it's just funny and wholesome and uh, you should watch it and it'll make you happy um, yeah I have other ones including I feel like I haven't recommended a book, an actual like reading in a year, but um, I'll save that for next week. Yeah, sounds good. That's a, a hyper specific premise for a show. It um, is. It's lovely. I'm going to do as different of a recommendation as I could possibly do from last week when I was talking about um, 19th century Russian short stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have been reading a book, book called There's Just One Problem brought by someone named Brian Gewurz, who was a longtime uh, WWE writer who was, became good friends with The Rock and now works for The Rock's production company. And he's the showrunner for the TV show Young Rock. But it's a, <laughs> a a book that's just his anecdotes of being backstage in professional wrestling for like 15 years. And they are just absolute insanity. And the people there are oftentimes so stupid and so funny and it's it's very enjoyable to to read um and if you have even like a passing interest in old pro wrestling uh it's extremely funny to read and he's a a, a clever and funny writer um that's it and gaby anything else you want to uh, touch on before we sign off uh no this is usually where i would make some joke about some really complicated probably socio-political topic uh maybe you know the history of uh 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 I don't see I can't even think of a thing right there but you know my brain's not working I don't want it to work being witty and clever is overrated so no my answer's no <laughs> sounds great you're well welcome. uh I was actually thinking about how uh the way Michael Penix has been playing this year it makes me feel a little bit less wistful for Cody Pickett but that doesn't mean I'm I'm any less interested in him joining it's us true. on the podcast but maybe if we just seem a little bit less desperate he's more likely to show up this so I'm, I'm not even going to say anything about that and see if that makes any difference. So th- thanks again for listening, everybody, and go dogs. Yeah. And, you know, he's, you said you're going to be less desperate. I never promised that. So, you know, maybe next week we'll have Cody Pickett on. And go dogs. <laughs>